three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Almost all of you. That's good. Okay. <clears throat> then this will be a review for most of you. But I do have a spiritual gifts test. The spiritual gifts test, if you want a copy, I think I only printed like 10 because I knew a lot of you would know your spiritual gift. Uh, you can take that, and I do have the answer key over here. If you take the test and you want to take the test, don't look at the answer key before you take the test. Okay? It, it will influence you a little bit when you answer your questions, and it is self-explanatory. Here's the way it works. You got the questions here all the way through to... You have 96 questions. Don't worry. You're not going to fail. <laughs> yeah, well, they'll be up here. And then the question, each one of the questions, since they're numbered, you have to put them going across when you number them. And once you number them, it goes from zero to four, where, for instance... Um, regularly in a Bible study, you are given to prophesying. It, you can either answer zero, not at all, or four all the time. That's how it works. And so you go across and you answer the questions as they come up. When you're all done, you add up the questions in this column. And you can get a total of 16 on any set of four going through here. If you get a 16, that's probably your gift. If you are uh, really not committal on some of your questions and you always put a 2 or a 3, it probably won't help you to take the test. You, you have to know that if you feel more strongly than not that, yeah, I kind of do that all the time, then you would want to put a 4. And you know, for instance... Um, the interpretation of tongues. When somebody speaks in tongues and you hear it, you know exactly what the interpretation is. Well, that would be a four. But if you don't, that would be a fat zero. And you just put a zero on there. And then the key will answer which column or which row in this column is the particular gift. And you can write it in there. And you may have more than one that gets up to 16. That's okay. You can be gifted in a couple of different areas. Uh, like, for instance, if you're a teacher, you may have the gift of leadership and discernment. And if you have that, it will show up as somewhere between 12 and 16. So usually it's your highest numbers that will, it is your highest numbers that will indicate what your gift is that God has given you. Okay, with that, I'm going to set these over here and the answer key over here. Now, if you cheat and you look at the answer sheet first, it'll probably just skew your test. And if you want to skew your test, that's fine. But it probably won't be that helpful. Yeah, be honest. That's right, when you answer those questions. Now, also, with that, the questions that are given, it's not a foolproof test. Um, it's, it's not like a DMV test where they're going to tell you you pass or fail. It just set you in the direction, the propensities that you have, the gifts, the callings, it'll bring them to the surface, okay? Now, you have 
Patty, could I have that other outline as well? You Do I have any left on there? Yeah, okay, thank you. The outline that you have, it says study number 11, spiritual gifts, root development, 1997. I should have changed the date on that. No, that's, it would be the other one, Sarah. This one with the fill-in. You guys got the fill-in one? No. One. Is there any more left? Oh. All right. Here's what you're going to do. I'm going to... Everybody have this one? You got it? Okay. There's five. Yeah, I think everybody has one. Well, first what we're going to do, open up your Bibles and turn over to, let's see where I am here, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And, okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, I'm just going to read about the spiritual gifts first, that the scriptures declare... We have spiritual gifts. It's just which one is yours. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. So the gifts that are spelled out there are in verse 11, apostle, prophet, evangelist, and it's a combination gift of pastor-teacher. Turn over to Romans chapter 12, verse 6. Romans 12, verse 6. It says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. So the gifts that are listed there are prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing or giving to the needs of others, leadership, and mercy. Then turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. This goes all the way, gives an explanation of why we have the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 says, Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagan somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given, through the Spirit, the message of wisdom. 
to another the message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of tongues all these are the work of one and the same spirit and he gives them to each just as he determines the body is a unit though it is made up of many parts and though all its parts are many they form one body so it is with Christ for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body whether Jews or Greeks slave or free and we were given the one spirit to drink we were all given the one spirit to drink now the body is not made up of one part but of many if the foot should say because I am not a hand I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body and if the ear should say because I am not an eye I do not belong to the body it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body if the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of smell be but in fact God has arranged the parts of the body every one of them just as he has wanted them to be if they were all one part there would be or where would the body be as it is there are many parts but one body the eye cannot say to the hand I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet I don't need you on the contrary those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor and the parts that are presentable or excuse me unpresentable are treated with special modesty while our presentable parts need no special treatment but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other if one part suffers every part suffers with it if one part is honored every part rejoices with it now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it and in the church God has appointed first of all apostles second prophets third teachers then workers of miracles also those having gifts of healing those able to help others and those with gifts of administration and those speaking in different kinds of tongues are all apostles are all prophets are all teachers do all work miracles do all have gifts of healing do all speak in tongues do all interpret but eagerly desire the greater gifts and now I will show you the most excellent way now I'm going to give an illustration that I'm also going to give on Sunday uh, I'm going to talk about when we went over to Cambodia Nate where are, you, where are you Nate what was your greatest lament when you went last time to Cambodia yeah what did, what did you feel like after you had done your service over there you told me I don't know if you remember you, you kind of well, I, how did you feel afterwards? No, that's not what you told me. You told me <clears throat> that you didn't feel like you did anything. Do you remember that? Yeah, all you did was kind of take some pills and, you know, move them around. You don't remember that? <clears throat> when we were over again this time, each person had their own part to play. I was the eyeglass guy, and the 
sunglass guy, but I really couldn't do my job without the interpreter. And the interpreter didn't know enough about the glasses to just take the glasses. There was one particular point where I gave some of the responsibility to the interpreters to kind of teach them what was going on, and I could hear Drew off to the side. And he's going, come on, man, we've got to get this thing rolling. You know, we've got people waiting here. This is taking a little bit too long. And, and so, you know, then I would take it back. And then Eric, he's doing the triage out there, and Eric really couldn't do the triage without the interpreters there. Now, Eric, how do you ask somebody's age? In Kamai. Nice and loud. Ayupaman. So he, he started to learn the language there. Uh, and they would respond, and sometimes he would get the numbers. Count to three. Now, he can go. How far can you go? To, go to 20. I want to hear it nice and loud. Okay, I don't want to work on it for Sunday, okay? Because I'm going to have you do it on Sunday. And so he's learning the ages where he could ask him how old they were and he could write it down. And then the names, he would be able to ask the name too, but sometimes he couldn't quite get the name. He would have to turn it over to them. When they come for the glasses, you know, I wouldn't know how how to say, I'd hold up a piece of paper. And again, I'm going to do this on Sunday, so you're going to get it twice. But I would hold up the paper and I'd go, Chiba'a? You know what that means? Is it clear? Is it clear? And it, then they would say, bah. I go, oh, it's clear. Okay, it's good for them. And then I'd give them a set of glasses and they would say if it was clear. And I would say, is it better? And that's la jiang. You know, so I say, la jiang, jiba'a. And, and so we're talking to them in their language, but that's as far as we can go. We cannot talk a conversation with them, and sometimes they would just rattle off. And then there was Drew. This time, Drew, how many teeth did Drew pull? Maybe three? More sewing, suturing. But most of the time, he was the policeman, and he would stand around, and he would grab his guitar, and he would point to where the people were supposed to go. If uh, you're going to ask somebody to come to you, it's this. You do that. Instead of in America, you do this. And so he would stand there and he'd go like this and then they would shuffle over here and he'd keep the kids away from the window and you're familiar with this, you know. And so that's what he would do. He'd just keep everybody in order. But if you look at just his job, you'd say, well, he's not doing much. He's playing the guitar most of the time, you know, and he's just shuffling people in. So everybody had their particular task. Even the dentists that were there, they didn't know how to um, speak Kamai. One of them didn't know how to speak English, only spoke Spanish. And so that was kind of a thing where we had to work out. And pulling the pills. Uh, Kim pulled the pills this time. And the doctor wrote down the number of the pill next to the uh, chemical that was supposed to be given, the medicine that was supposed to be given to him. So each person had their own part and there wasn't one person that could have done anything to bring in the number of the people. It was everybody working together, even Pastor Hung and giving the evangelistic outreach. He couldn't have had the people show up, you know, 700 plus people, unless 
they were coming for the glasses and the dental and the medical. And so everybody was working together and everybody did their job and nobody was a slacker this time or the last time that we went. Uh, but Drew was telling me that every once in a while there'd be a slacker. There was one year where a woman went that she was a problem. And so what she ended up doing was doing the glasses all by herself without an interpreter. And it was just a mess. And so there was one, it's like one wheel on the car was square. And it was very difficult for it to move along. If everybody is doing their part, operating in their gift, the body is going to be healthy and everything is going to be smooth. If somebody isn't using their gift, the entire body is affected. So I wanted to give you that illustration, what that is. Now, with that, I also want to expand a little bit on this idea of gifts. <clears throat> Everything in the earth is interconnected. Uh, the sun provides the earth with necessary energy for the life which is contained on this planet. Life exists on this planet and in the oceans. Plants in the oceans and on the land produce the necessary oxygen for us to breathe. We produce vital carbon dioxide for the plants to use in the process of photosynthesis. We need the plants for food, medicine, and lumber. The plants need the soil to survive. The soil contains vital nutrients for the survival of plants and animal kingdom. And everything is just interrelated. It's all mixed together. Even the gravitational pull of the sun and where the, sun, where the earth is around the sun, that is very important. So all of these things, all these, these elements work together. <coughs> and the thing that I told you about human life, can the eye say to the hand that I don't need you? If you are a person you are without a hand, uh, you wouldn't be able to function as completely. The people that I saw, uh, I saw all kinds of eye problems. I saw this one guy who had a retina that was shriveled up and that shriveled up retina was still in the eye and it was like a BB in a milk carton. It, whenever he would move his eye, that thing would move around on the inside, but it was clear. It was not uh, like a normal eye that you would look at. And I saw blindness in several people and, and just the deformities that were there. Uh, it was very difficult and they certainly could have used that other eye. Um, but they were trying to protect the one that they had and they would show up to do that. So if you're a part of the body and you say, well, nobody needs me, and you think your part is insignificant, that's where Christ says he has given honor to those parts that think that they are less important. And they, they are given for the unity of the body. I already read this. It said the body is a unit made up of many parts, and though all of its parts are many, they form one body. And so it's to keep the cohesiveness of the body together, but there is diversity with that too, where not everybody can be a hand, not everybody can be a set of lips, not everybody can be an arm, and that's why God breaks it up. But there is also this interdependency, as I was just saying. In order to have hand-eye coordination, you have to have both. You can't have one without the other. And if you have that functioning properly, then people are going to be blessed. Now, this idea of gifts, I'm going to take a sidetrack here. There are people that believe that the sign gifts are not for today. The sign gifts would be the gifts of miracles. Um, I think some include prophecy in that, the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. They will say that those gifts are not for today. 
and they use a portion of Scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Where there are tongues, they will be ceased. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And so they say that that, it says, when the perfect has come, that these gifts will cease. And they interpret that perfect coming as being the canon of Scripture. Once we get the canon of Scripture, these gifts are no longer going to be necessary. And so if you go to some of these foreign countries, if you go to Indonesia or the uh, Near East or the Far East or down in Africa and you talk to some of the missionaries, there are still current day stories of people being healed, which means there is still the gift of healing. And uh, there are so many testimonies about that, and you would have to just start researching them. But in our country, there's not a lot of healing that you would be able to recognize. Why do you suppose that is? Pardon me? Why couldn't Jesus heal in his own hometown? They didn't have faith. How much faith is in our country compared to when it was founded? <laughs> uh, yeah, we're trying to push God out completely. And so for a miracle to take place, what did um, Billy Graham's daughter uh, say at 9-11? You guys remember that? Where, when she was asked the question, so where was God in the midst of this 9-11? And her response was, Basically, are you kidding me? You have been pushing God out of the schools and out of the courts and out of the public life forever, and now you ask, where was God in the midst of this? And so that's probably the reason why those gifts aren't used as much. And then there is the opposite. And by the way, every gift can be abused. Every gift can be used for your own benefit. Uh, in charismatic churches. Now, we are a charismatic church, but we're not a charismaniac church. There are charismaniac churches that, and by the way, we just read it too, uh, miracles come after teaching. The Word of God is higher than that. You have the apostles and the prophets and evangelists and teachers, and then it goes on to these sign gifts. But there are churches that exist for nothing but the sign gifts and not for the teaching. And God says, no, his teaching is number one. And so they will aggrandize these sign gifts and they will get together for hours and hours and hours and wait for the moving of the Spirit to have these gifts manifest themselves. And yet they lack on the teaching. They lack what it uh, uh, purports to say to everybody. For instance, I used to attend a church when I first got saved that everybody in the entire church would bust into the gift of tongues all at once. I've been down to Mexico uh, working down in Mexico where people would do that too, where people were praying in English, in Spanish, and in tongues all at the same time. And, of course, if you're leading a prayer with that, it's very confusing because they get really loud and you can hardly hear what you're praying at all. Did they do that in Guatemala? They did that in Guatemala. <clears throat> but Scripture says, no, two are at the most three and they're supposed to do it in turn and you're not supposed to do it unless there's an interpreter and there's a way to do it and so these gifts can be abused and scripture spells that out completely but the point of this teaching here is to see what your gift is and to give you an explanation for them so I want to go to your other outline there it talks about spiritual gifts April 13th, 2016. And it starts with the apostles. 
the gift of an apostle, the one sent with a special, special message or commission. Jesus was called an apostle in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. It says, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. How many apostles were there in the church? How many? Twelve. Eric, you know the number? Yeah, I don't know the exact number either. But Well, the ones that are named in Scripture are about 16 to 18. Yeah, it's, it's not 12, but everybody thinks, oh, it's 12 apostles. No, there are more apostles than that. But there are people today that call themselves apostles. Is that possible? Well, unless you have these signs and wonders that follow you, uh, you're not an apostle. And that's what Scripture says, signs that follow an apostle or works that follow an apostle. <laughs> now, I'm not going to get too much into that. I'm just going to say that if you think you're an apostle, just tell me your last miracle that you did and we'll be walking hand in hand. Uh, they're sent out to preach. They were chosen by Jesus himself, and they were with the other apostles from John's baptism until the resurrection. This is spelled out in Acts chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord went, or Jesus went in and out among us, beginning with John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. And this is where Matthias is chosen to replace Judas. And the other scripture that I was giving to you, Acts chapter 5, verse 12, it says, The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And so those were the signs that followed. In Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12, it says, These things that mark an apostle, signs, wonders, and miracles were done amongst you with great perseverance. And so if somebody is an apostle, and I'm not going to deny that there is, but they would also, according to the criteria that's in here, they would have to have known the ministry of Jesus and still be around today. Uh, now, you might say, well, wait a second, you just said that the gift of tongues and knowledge and all of that is for today, but this one is not for today? Well, it clearly spells out the qualifications for an apostle. Where in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, when somebody says, when the perfect has come, and they're referring to the canon of Scripture, there are people that say, no, that is the canon of Scripture and not the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe it is the second coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. That's when the gifts will cease. And you might say, well, why? Why do you believe that? Because one of those gifts that is supposed to cease in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is going to be used during the tribulation period by two prophets that show up. And also the 144,000, they're probably going to be prophesying as well. Nowhere in Scripture does it say a gift comes, then it leaves, then it shows up again. It regenerates. It never says that in Scripture. It just says when the need is done, that's it. And those gifts will cease. Um, I already told you there are more than 12 apostles. Andronicus and Junius were two. Barnabas and Paul. Uh, Paul came after the 12. Um, they had to have seen Jesus, and they're part of the foundation of the church as well. 
Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. So going on, prophesying and prophets, this is where you received a direct revelation from God. Examples of this are Abraham with Abimelech, in Genesis chapter 20, verse 7, Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet. Scripture calls Abraham a prophet. And how does, God's, how does God speak to a prophet? Well, it says in Scripture that he revealed himself in the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 12, verse 6, in visions and in dreams. That's how God would speak to the prophets. In other words, they would go into this kind of trance. It's like dreaming when you're awake. It's not dreaming when you're asleep. He's also speaking to them when they're asleep. And so that's how God would do it. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. That doesn't mean that God cannot still speak through a vision, through some type of uh, mental picture that he gives you and to prepare you for things that are to come. He can do that. Let's see. I want to make sure. I'm sorry, say again? No, that's how, that's how God is speaking, where they get a direct revelation from God, and then they get it in order to tell others. And so that is the gift of prophecy. It, it, there is also uh, the foretelling and the foretelling. The foretelling is where pastors do this. They speak the word of God. Then there's the foretelling, the things that are in the future that are going to take place. Uh, this was clearly evident with um, King Saul when he was going to be appointed. It was prophesied what he would do, where he would go, who he would meet, and how he would end up in the end of the day. And so that is a foretelling and a foretelling. Now, a prophet is going to be able to do both. The foretelling, you know, I would say you'd probably have to have an office of a prophet, something like that, uh, for it to be taking place. Like Jonah, was Jonah a prophet? He was a prophet. He knew what was going to happen. But then God relented, and it didn't take place to the Assyrian people at Nineveh. And so that's God can do that all the time. Now, that you want to be careful not to say something that you can already see is going to happen. Like, for instance, if I came to you and I said, there is going to be an economic collapse within the next 25 years in the United States. <laughs> and I said, thus saith the Lord. Now, I would be committing a sin there because the Lord didn't tell me that. I can read the tea leaves, so to speak. I can see what's going to take place. I can see there's going to be difficulty in the future. That's not the same thing. It's where God speaks and the person hears and they declare it. Uh, it is also the reading of Scripture declaring God's word. Okay? So you have the gift of prophecy and also the office of a prophet. Uh, let's go on here. We have evangelists. Uh, can you name for me an evangelist? Billy Graham. Give me a name for me another evangelist. Greg Laurie. How about another one? Hmm? 
Well, Franklin Graham, not so much as his father, but what about Mike McIntosh? The guy's an evangelist. That's what he, he does. And there are many others, <coughs> excuse me, like him. Timothy was exhorted to do the work of an evangelist. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5, but it doesn't mean he was an evangelist. When we went over to uh, Cambodia, we would carry tracks with us. When uh, Eric and I were motoring over to the killing fields, I had tracks in my pocket right here. And we would get stuck in traffic because the traffic was just horrendous. And this guy pulls up right next. I mean, I'm, I'm right here and I can put my hand on his window right there. His window is open and he's sitting right there. So I just reached in and I pulled out the track and I gave him the track and the track was in Kamai. And did that for a tuk-tuk guy who was out front. Tuk-tuk is a little moto with a little seat on the back. You can seat up to about six or seven people in there. And I just ran over one morning and I passed him out. I watched Drew. He would go through the airport and he would just start handing out tracks and he would tempt the um, people in the airport to grab a little chocolate. He would open up this box. He always likes to carry this box. He gets it in the airport and it has chocolate in it and he offers it to the flight attendants. And he gives the chocolate to the flight attendant. He goes, here, take this too. And he gives him a track. And so that's doing the work of an evangelist where you are witnessing. Now, you may not close the deal, so to speak, but you are proclaiming God's word or God's gospel. And we're all supposed to work at that, but we may not have the gift. With that as well, if somebody has the gift of helps, they like to help behind the scenes. But if somebody says, well, no, I have the gift of teaching. I don't want to do the gift of helps. Somebody else can clean the bathrooms and dust everything, you know. Uh, let them do that. It doesn't mean that you are pigeonholed into your one gift. You can do that work, but you're supposed to operate normally in your gift. There's a gift of pastor-teacher, one who gives instruction. Uh, that is number four on your list. And I don't think I need to explain that one too much. The one who has given care over the flock and it's also responsible for the doctrine that is disseminated in the church. I have two number fours there. I see that. Serving, identifying and meeting the needs of the church. This is the person that would, <coughs> excuse me, that would go through the church and whatever the need was, you know, whether it's uh, watering the plants, whether it's uh, cleaning the windows or it's cleaning the bathrooms or organizing things they operate well like the attic cleaning up the attic and just doing that they get a lot of energy and charge out of doing those types of tasks they're willing to serve in any kind of capacity that you ask them except for something like teaching or some of the sign gifts they may not feel comfortable doing that but this is the gift of serving then there's the gift of encouragement or exhortation and it's exactly what it says. It's where you come along and you are the encourager. Who in this room has a gift of encouragement? I definitely know you do, Joseph. Sarah, you have the gift of encouragement? <laughs> yeah, and so when you're kind of down, if you need some encouragement, you're supposed to go to the encourager, right? It's kind of like... Um, a golden retriever. You go and you're cuddling up to a golden retriever inside the body. Have you ever seen a vicious, snarling golden retriever? Absolutely not. You haven't. But a prophet 
would be compared to a pit bull. A prophet would go out there and he'd, this is what it is. You know, if he gets in an argument, something like that, and he's going to most of the time be calm, but not always in the Old Testament. I mean, they would bring judgment. So, and you know, you can make your distinctions of which kind of dog, uh, like a, a person with a gift of serving, St. Bernard. You know, he's the one that works out in the snow and carries, what is that? It's orange shoes? <laughs> Whatever. He's the one that brings the assistance, right? Uh, so you can see how these gifts operate, and each person has their own particular task, and everybody loves somebody with the gift of encouragement, but not everybody loves somebody with the gift of prophecy. And when I learned about this for the first time, they said that the prophet or somebody operating in the gift of prophecy they declare God's word. They, they say what is wrong and they say what is right. They do not mince words in any way. And as a result, they stick their neck out. What happens if you stick your neck out? People are going to want to take it off. So they're the ones. If you look at the prophets in the Old Testament, like wasn't it Elijah said, there's no prophets left except for me. Woe is me. And uh, the Lord told him there are thousands that have not bowed the knee to Baal. What, 6,000 that had not bowed? And so these prophets in the Old Testament, they were always sticking their neck out and they were always getting it lopped off. And some, literally, John the Baptist, he would say what was going on and he actually lost his head. So people don't like those with the gift of prophet, now, uh, prophecy or prophet. You want to sign up for that particular gift? You're going to have to endure persecution. If the Lord wants you to have it, you're going to have it, and you cannot keep your mouth shut. You're going to open it up, but you're going to be sorrow of heart all the time because of the rejection that you're going to have to endure. Uh, then there is contributing to the needs of others or imparting, which is you have the gift of giving. Uh, you will <clears throat> be able to have the ability to make money, some a lot of money, and you have the ability to give it away, to see the need, and to want to help others. Then there's the gift of leadership. In other words, you have uh, a God-given position of authority, but that authority is never to be lorded over the people. You just set things in motion. You probably have with that maybe a gift of um, organization or administration. Then there's the gift of showing mercy. Uh, those a couple different ways to describe this. It's, it has been described as sympathy or bringing comfort uh, to those who are full of sorrow. It can be like that, but it is, I think, more where you come and you bless somebody that doesn't deserve it. Somebody that has been just mean and cantankerous and awful, uh, and you still are going to help them. Uh, I have told you before that my gift of mercy is about a zero on a scale from zero to a hundred. And a guy came in. And again, I'm probably going to say a lot of these things on Sunday, but I'm just giving you the benefit. There's this one guy came in at the last clinic and he was just as ornery as he could be. He was about five foot one. And we were giving sunglasses to everybody, explaining about pterygium and cataracts and all of these things. You need to wear these outside because you can go blind if you don't do it. <clears throat> and he started arguing that he didn't want the glasses. Just take, And you could tell, even though he's speaking a different language, you could tell that he was just all kind of riled up. It's like, 
dude, what's your problem? You know, we'll just give you these sunglasses. And you know, I don't want those. I want reading glasses. And his wife is right next to him, exhorting him to just take the sunglasses. I don't want those sunglasses. I want reading glasses. So I give him a pair of reading glasses, and I hold this up, and I go, Chiba'a. And then he starts going on a rant. And, okay, those aren't going to work for you. Let's try another one. And I gave him another one. He didn't like it. He just kept on talking away. And I said, okay, fine. So I took those back, and I sat those down. And I told the interpreter, look, unless he wants to go through this, he's not going to get any glasses at all. And, well, he walked away with no glasses and no sunglasses. As he walked away, he slapped me on the rear as he took off. And it's like, okay, buddy. <laughs> you know, only Patty gets to do that. But the, the, <clears throat> this idea that he would do that, it's like, man, just chill out. And I didn't want to have any mercy for the guy because, he, you know, some people are grateful, some are not. And he was not grateful at all. And he just took off and he was just kind of an ornery old guy is what he was. Now, if I was showing the gift of mercy... I would have just given him a pair that I thought would work and say, here, go ahead and take these. But of course, I told you, I don't have much of the gift of mercy. So he just kept on going. Then there's the message of wisdom. Uh, this person gives wise advice, has wise speech, probably has a lot of the book of Proverbs memorized. They have insight into truth and what is error as opposed to truth. And if you want to find out, well, what should I do on this? If you need a counselor, this is the person to go to inside of the body. Then there's the message of knowledge. Uh, two ways to look at this particular gift. There is the ability to study, speak with knowledge, gain information, and have the information uh, be directed by the Spirit. Then there is, as some have said, this gift of knowledge where you know something that you could not have known and God has revealed it to you. An example in the Old Testament would be the prophet Nathan. David had hidden his sin uh, with Bathsheba and nobody knew. Well, I, I actually I think the head of his army knew, but uh, nobody really knew. The prophet Nathan did not know and then God told him and he showed up and he told David what he had done. That would have been a case where this message or this gift of knowledge was in operation. And God can use that with us too. He can have somebody come up to us and tell us something about ourselves um, if God wants it to happen. Then there's the gift of faith. This is where you have a firm persuasion and you have a conviction based on hearing um, you have seen what God has done, also experientially. You have seen what God has done. You trust what his word says, and you believe that he's going to accomplish it. To all of us, we have been given a measure of faith, a faith to believe. But there are those who go beyond that, that they believe God for that thing which nobody else believes God for. That's a gift of faith. They trust God more than the average believer that is out there. Then there's the gift of healing, uh, number 12. I think it's on your list. This is where you could go into children's hospital and clear it. Now, there is the gift of healing and those who, I would say, would pray for somebody to be healed. I've been prayed for to be healed, and I have uh, in the past. But I, I would like to see this gift in operation more in our country, but you know, it just doesn't happen, I think, because of our lack of faith. But to see somebody, and if you do any research, these missionaries say there are people raised from the dead. 
Uh, and if they are, wonderful. And just think how that gospel can be uh, more invasive inside the community if that is used. And so there are those with the gift of healing, I believe, still today. Miraculous powers. Now, I haven't seen this one where you can do something supernatural, like parting the sea. Um, maybe you could part Lindo Lake and people could walk through there or things like that where you could call fire down from heaven the miraculous where you could cause the sun to go dark or God causes you to cause the sun to go dark Moses certainly had the gift of miracles and those are the things that also follow the apostles and if God wants to do something like that well great I just haven't seen this particular one I'm not going to say it doesn't exist because that world is awful big there's the distinguishing between spirits um, Patty, I believe, has this in certain degrees. Some other people do as well. Uh, you can determine what spirit somebody is of, uh, which means if somebody walks through the door of the church, they immediately have their hair stand up in the back of their neck, and they go, something is not right. I don't know what it is, but something is not right with this person. They can also tell if somebody is just filled with the spirit. It's just like, wow, they've... They have the Spirit of the Lord in them. They can discern between spirits where not everybody can do that inside of the church. And by the way, I think it's Matthew 13 that talks about the kingdom parables where you have the mustard seed that is planted and grows into the largest of the shrubs in the garden and the birds land in its branches. Simply what that means is the enemy puts his spies inside of the church to disrupt and break things up. And the person with the gift of discernment can discern who those people are. Then there's a speaking in different kinds of tongues. This is probably the most controversial gift that is out there. If you've never heard the gift of speaking in tongues, it's where people speak in a language, either it's an earthly language that they have never heard and they're able to do it. Uh, I would love for the Lord to give us the gift of tongues to speak Kamai over in Cambodia. That would be great. But chances are, if he gave us that gift, we wouldn't know exactly what we're saying. That's why you have the gift of interpretation. Because there's somebody there that has to be able to interpret what it is that you are saying. Now, this was used when the church began. Everybody heard. About 3,000 were saved that day, but everybody heard in their own language, which means these apostles were given a language that was not their own from birth. They never learned it, and they were able to communicate the gospel in this other language. Some people say also that it's a heavenly language, a language of angels. That may be the case. I'm not going to argue that point. There's some people that say you can sing in the gift of tongues. Even Chuck Smith uh, believed that that could take place. I'm not going to say it, it can't. It's just a language that you have not learned from birth and that God gives you. And it's a sign for unbelievers, those who are perishing. And it was a sign for those who are perishing in the first century church. Uh, with this gift of tongues, what is the purpose of tongues? Should you always seek an interpretation to tongues? The answer is yes on that. Praying in tongues, is this valid? It talks about the Apostle Paul praying in a tongue. Should all believers speak in tongues as a sign of the filling of the Holy Spirit? No. There are people that think you are not filled with the Spirit unless you speak in tongues, and that is just not true. I've already... Uh, read you the scripture in First Corinthians chapter 12. Are all apostles, are all prophets, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is no. 
How many may speak in tongues inside the church service? Two or at the most three. Speaking in tongues all at once? Absolutely not. The Lord says we're supposed to do it in order as is fitting according to 1 Corinthians 14. What should the interpretations of tongues be? It should be either thanksgiving or praise to God. If you hear the gift of tongues, that's what the interpretation is going to be when the interpretation is given. It's always going to be directed to God. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us, that the man who speaks in a tongue speaks to God. Yes? No. Well, they may have the gift of inter- interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when they speak and you get the interpretation, the interpretation is always going to be directed to God. It's not going to be, thus saith the Lord. That's prophecy. That is not the gift of interpretation of tongues. Somebody's speaking out of order. <clears throat> I've heard that happen a couple of times. And so the scripture says, if somebody speaks in tongues, and two or at the most three are supposed to speak in a church setting, and, when, and do not prohibit it. And when that happens, it is going to be directed to God thanksgiving or praise to God. So you will automatically know that this is not being used correctly. Now, who is in error on this? It is the person speaking in tongues or the person interpreting? It could have been the person had the gift of prophecy and they've been given the prophecy and they're going to tell what God has said when the person with the gift of tongues spoke out of order. We don't know. It could have been the person spoke in tongues, spoke in order, and the person with the gift of interpretation blew it. They're not saying what the interpretation is. They're incorrectly using that gift if they have the gift of all, at all. So that's the problem with tongues. Yes. In the church setting, yes. You're always supposed to know if there is an interpreter before you speak in tongues. You know who has the gift, and you're waiting for the interpretation. You know? Does he know what he's Maybe. If they have the gift of interpretation, yes. Ray Bentley has both tongues. Yes. Yes. He has the gift of tongues plus interpretation. And so there is that possibility. You know, but you want to be careful not to judge too harshly because you don't know where the judgment should fall. You don't know if... You may know, but uh, like there's, there's people, that's all they want to do is they just want to speak in tongues or they just want to interpret and so they're ready to interrupt uh, what's going on. And the Lord will not interrupt himself. For instance, in a church setting, if teaching is going on, which is the telling forth of God's word, and all of a sudden somebody just busts into tongues, that would be the Holy Spirit interrupting himself. Everything is supposed to be done in order and in a fitting manner, where you actually take the time out to do that. That's what they call an afterglow. Okay? Questions about that? Yes. I would say yes, that's correct. Because in a church setting, it's clearly spelled out. Two are at the most three, and there must be an interpretation. Otherwise, what's to happen? They're supposed to remain silent, is what Scripture says. 
In other words, it will confuse the body. And I'm telling you, the gift of tongues is the most confusing and offsetting gift that is out there. Even the Apostle Paul, when coming to the Corinthian church, he's going to say, if you're all speaking in tongues at the same time, people will think you're mad, you're nuts, you're a bunch of looney tunes, you know, doing this. And the first time I heard it, it was at Faith Chapel when I was going over there right after I became a Christian. I heard it and I go, this is weird, you know, and I didn't know anything about the gift of tongues. I'm going, why does this feel so strange to me over here? Not that they didn't have the gift. It's just they were all speaking at the same time. And I'm going, this is craziness. And so I was experiencing that I didn't know. First Corinthians said, they're going to think you're all crazy. And so I was thinking they were all crazy speaking like that. And not a very mature Christian. If I was an unbeliever, I would have said, I'm out of here. You guys are drinking something in that wine that goes through communion. You have a question? You know, I have heard the gift used, and when it's used properly, when somebody speaks in tongues and somebody interprets and what is said, you just go, wow. I have heard the gift of prophecy. Um, I can't think of the guy's name. Um, he's at um, up in Sacramento. Louis Neely. I don't know if he's still around. But we'd be at the pastor's conference, and all of a sudden he'd operate in the gift of prophecy. And it's almost like the only thing I can relate it to is a roadrunner, Plymouth Roadrunner 383, with headers on it and being sunk in the seat. And you just go, oh, I can't believe what was just said. And you can tell when it's being used properly and when it's being used of the flesh. And when it's being used properly, there's nothing like it. You know, it, it's just great. Now, how many times have I heard it used properly, both prophecy and the gift of tongues? Very few. Most of the time, it just seems to be of the flesh. So that's why you have to be careful. Yes, and Terry. The gift of tongues is actually one of the least. Yes. He does. Yeah, and the people in uh, Corinth were being elevated because they could speak in tongues. And that's why they were all speaking in tongues, because they thought they were more spiritual. And Paul goes, knock it off, you guys. That is not the best gift. The best gift is prophecy. That's the one you want to seek after, not after this tongue. And Corinth was just a mess. They were just a complete mess, and they were getting rebuked left and right or admonished left and right. But it, Faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. <clears throat> Paul, Paul actually says that of the gifts, prophecy is the highest one. Now, we know that love is the banner over all of that. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13 is right in the middle of 1 Corinthians 12, which talks about the gifts, and 1 Corinthians 14, which talks about the proper use of tongues and prophecy. So those two have sandwiched between them love. And that is supposed to be your motivation. Okay, Let me go on here. I want to make sure we don't run out of time. Is that the last gift? Did I give you the last one? Oh, no, I didn't. The interpretation of tongues, that is simply being able to discern what the person is speaking and 
give it to the rest of the congregation. Uh, then there is number 17. I have 17 down there. Those able to help others, the gift of helps, uh, where you would visit people, you would cut their grass, you would help inside the church. Gifts of administration, where you actually you love to put things in columns and rolls and file cabinets and color code and and for some that can just be unnerving. Uh, but for the person who has the gift of organization, they start salivating when they think about organizing things in an office environment. They just, <laughs> I can do this, you know, and they get the flow charts and they get everything going and that is their gift and you don't want to squash that too much. But sometimes the drawback of this gift is they can run roughshod over others if they don't follow the order. They can get upset when it doesn't get used according to how they think it should be used. And that's the person who comes in with a gift of encouragement and says, don't worry about it, sweetie. Everything's going to be just fine here. Just take a deep breath, you know, cleansing breath, just like you're having a baby, and everything's going to be fine. And, and so the person with the gift of organization, they are vital. But they can misuse that gift, too, to run over the body of Christ and just for the sake of following the order. That's what's important to them. Then there's the gift of celibacy, which is referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 7. Uh, a lot of priests believe that they have this. Some who are priests believe that they have it and don't. Uh, if you have the gift of celibacy, you have no desire to be with the opposite sex and be married. You want to be sold out for Christ. Um, now, this is the Apostle Paul talking here, and he, it is believed, was previously married. And it could have been a gift that was given to him later. Then there are those questionable gifts, gifts that aren't mentioned that we talk about all the time, uh, that are talked about, I should say, inside the church. The gift of hospitality, it just simply says we're to be hospitable. Uh, the gift of exorcism, that you have the ability to cast out demons. The Catholic Church believes in this. Uh, the gift of voluntary poverty, that you can take a vow of poverty. The Lord gives you this gift. The gift of a missionary, a gift of martyrdom. That one you can only use once. You cannot use it more than once. And then there, now this one is a real gift in the Old Testament, the gift of craftsmanship, where you have the ability to work with your hands, to build, to construct, uh, to see in your mind what it is that needs to be done, and you can carry it out, bring it to fruition. Uh, those are all vital gifts. Another one, the last one, is some people will say you have the gift of music. Now, I heard the worship leader, I've heard him before, but the one who was here last week, was just awesome, Ron. You know, if anybody had the gift of music, I would say it'd be him and his daughter. Then there are those who just practice at it, like me. You know, and then there are those who should never pick up a musical instrument for the rest of their life. You know, so there are all kinds. If you want to say somebody has the gift of music and they play like Ron, well, I'm not going to dispute that too much. You know, so any questions about the gifts? Okay. These... Why gifts? Because they're not listed in Scripture. At least listed in Scripture like the other ones are, like the gift of administration, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, those types of things. But gift of hospitality means you would open up your home to anybody, any strangers that would come in, and that's your gift, and you prepare for that. So they're questionable. Some people would say no. Other? Yeah, Gary. On the other sheets, they're written about study 11. Oh, you know what? I didn't even have you guys fill that out. I fill those 
Okay, I'm going to give you the answers. Here are the answers. Number one, the purpose of the spiritual gifts. The gifts are given for the common good of the body of Christ. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Second, the gifts are given so that we might serve others. That's right. First Peter chapter 4, each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. The giver of the spiritual gifts. Gifts are given by Jesus Christ, number one. <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> it says, first, or excuse me, Ephesians 4, 8, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. Also, number two, gifts are given by the Holy Spirit. The salvation, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. How to receive the spiritual gifts. Number one, ask. Luke 11 there. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to keep going. We're running out of time. Secondly, by the laying on of hands, specifically elders. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 14. Do not neglect your gift which was given you through the prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Third, once the gift is received, develop it. Second Timothy 1, verse 6. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. Under five, why Christians don't use their spiritual gifts. Number one is idol worship. I need to explain this one a little bit. It's the individual who pulls away from church and church events, is not involved in the body. <clears throat> it's almost like, well, you left your hand at home today. Uh, if you're getting together on Sunday, the hand's not here, so is the body of Christ going to suffer? Well, why would they not be there? Now, obviously, there are reasons, legitimate reasons, why somebody wouldn't be at church, right? Like, Derek and I were gone. We were gone doing other things. That's, that's legitimate. <clears throat> there are those who get sick. They can't. They can't show up to church. They can't be there. And the body of Christ suffers when they're not here. But the majority of the time, it's an individual that says, you know what? I'm going to work on the yard today. You know what? I'm going to work on the car today. You know what? I'm going to sleep in today. You know what? I, I haven't played with my model airplanes in months. I'm going to do that today. <clears throat> and they set something else up over the fellowship of the saints, and they say, I'm going to do that. And a common one is, there's a Charger game on. <clears throat> and it starts... It starts at 10 o'clock, and, you know, it's going to be on at 1, so I'm not going to miss the whole thing. And they will say, I'm not going to go to church because, you know, I'm going to take a day off. I deserve it. I need to take a day off. <clears throat> the attitude to have on this is, if you think I need to be at church with my gifts giving the message, you should be at church giving your gifts to the body. If I showed up and said, or I didn't show up and I said, you know what, my backyard, I need to rake up the leaves in my backyard. I'm just not coming today. 
I'm calling Eric, and Eric's going to do the message. I would be neglecting my gift and not using it the way I'm supposed to. And people do that all the time. That's why I say they set up something else higher than the fellowship with God and the saints, and they say, that's it. This is the thing that is on my altar today, and that's the thing I'm going to worship or set as a priority. That's how the gifts get neglected. That's why it's so important to be there. And you can fill in the blank as to why somebody won't. A husband and wife will say, you know, let's not go to church today. Let's, let's just go down to the beach and take a little couple time. And I get that. That can be legitimate if you haven't been taking couple time. But the obvious answer to that is you should be spending couple time anyhow. And being involved in the body of Christ. That doesn't mean, and please don't misinterpret, it doesn't mean you can't go and take a vacation or take a weekend away. I get that. But if it's a, you know if it's a regular habit of somebody that they're just not going to be there and they find different excuses not to be there, they're not using their gift. And that's where you set up an idol higher than Christ. And secondly, neglect. First Timothy 4.14 says, do not neglect your gift. It is possible not to use your gift and not to fan it into flame and just set it to the side and say, yeah, I got this. It's like um, you got a trophy. Where does the trophy go? It sets up and it collects dust, right? But if it was really valuable to you, you'd probably, like if you had the Heisman Trophy, you would probably set that up in its own case and you would take it out and polish it up every once in a while, the bronze color or whatever it is, and it would be at the center point. Well, the same thing with your gift. Your gift is supposed to be in operation with the body of Christ and you're not supposed to neglect that. Neglecting that would, say, would be saying, I'm not going to church today. I'm just not going to do it. I'm just taking some time off because I feel like it. And that's just the end of the matter. Okay, well, you know, you're acting out of the flesh. That's what it is. Then there's um, unfaithfulness. <clears throat> you can simply use your gift for your own means. If you have the gift of administration, organization, and you like to organize things, you use it for something that is not for the church. You use it for your own benefit. And people do that all the time. Now, the gift of tongues, you're probably not going to be able to use that for your own benefit outside the church. You just use it inside the church for your own benefit. And there's ways to do that. And so those are reasons why. Uh, the whole point of the gifts is to benefit the body. If you're not using those gifts, you're not benefiting the body. The last thing that Pastor Hung said to us when we were in the van going to the airport, he said, you know, and he speaks in very broken English, but I think Eric got it too. But he said, you know, there are people who call themselves Christians, but they don't do anything. Why do they call themselves Christians? And he has a hard ministry over there. His wife broke out into tears at our last uh, meal together because it was so hard in the persecution. What, what did they say to her? Said that she's crazy or what did they say? Those are like her neighbors because there are churches in their neighborhood and they're, they go up to her and say, you are just crazy, you know, and ridiculer and she's just breaking into tears telling us the opposition that's going on there and it's really hard and they lament the fact that there are all these Christians that don't use their gifts that don't go out there <clears throat> and give the gospel or teach or fellowship you know so it's not just something that is a epidemic in the United States it's all over the world the Christian church is the same uh, questions good so if you need a 
gifts test. You have it here. If you want to take it again, you can. I think I have 10 copies there. Um, and that's it. So let's pray. Oh, wait, one more? Yeah, we have been praying for him before the church started, but I'll pray for him. Yes. Yes. We'll pray again. Uh, Father, first we thank you for your word that you have told us there are gifts that we all have, maybe one or more. And Lord, we would ask that everybody in this church would be using their gift, that they wouldn't set up idols to keep from using the gift, that they wouldn't neglect their gift, but they would fan it into flames. And this is, we understand, to benefit your body and to benefit those outside the church. If there are those with the gift of evangelism, Lord, I pray that in this body they would fan it. Same thing with the gift of prophecy or the gift of helps. Whatever the gift is, Lord, we pray because of what you have done for us that everyone would realize what we should do for you and not to set that up as the priority. Loving you is the priority. But, Lord, you have called us by your goodness, and as a result, we understand to use these gifts. We thank you for them in Jesus' name. And, Father, uh, also for Frank again, we would lift him up to you and uh, just pray that you would heal him first and foremost and strengthen him as he, uh, Lord, deals with this, whatever it might be. Help him not to worry or fret, knowing that you are in control. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys.